Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Back Lounge Podcast. My name is Tank. I'm your host. I'm a roadie with over 15 years of experience in the touring music industry. And on this podcast, for anybody that's new, we get to invite bands, musicians, other roadies, and anybody else in the industry and just have conversations about whatever we feel like talking about. And today's episode is episode 10. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but 10 episodes of this already, man, is kind of wild to me because I honestly didn't know how this podcast was going to do or how it was going to work when I first started. So the fact that we're getting through this many already is really cool. And on top of that, I've just been kind of blown away with the response from you guys that listen, you know, the videos are available on YouTube, but then the audio is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, all that stuff. And the numbers on the audio end have been really, really cool to see, man. I mean, this podcast is already charting in countries around the world, man. And I just never would have thought that. So 10 episodes in, man, I'm super fired up because today we have a super, super awesome guest, somebody that I was so excited to get on here. Almost couldn't believe that I had the opportunity to. I'm talking about Peter Eversh from the Halo Effect. Now, Peter has been around the music scene for quite a while, man. He's been in the Gothenburg music scene in Sweden since the 90s, has been involved with a lot of people, and is most known for being the longtime bass player of In Flames, which is one of my personal favorite bands. And before we started this podcast episode, Peter didn't know this, but uh, that dude is one of my heroes when it comes to playing bass, man. When I was a teenager... He's one of the reasons I wanted to start playing bass guitar. I spent countless hours in my bedroom as a kid, like playing all of his parts from some of the older In Flames albums. So to finally actually get to talk to him was so cool, man. And I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Now, nowadays, the guy has his hands super full with a lot of different stuff. He owns a brewery outside of Gothenburg called Odd Island Brewing, and he owns that with Daniel, who was the former drummer for In Flames and his current bandmate in the band that we're about to talk about. He also owns a restaurant in Gothenburg called 2112, and he owns that with Bjorn, the current guitar player for In Flames. And of course, we have the brand new band, The Halo Effect, which I've done reactions to on YouTube. And their album that's coming out is one of my most anticipated of this year. It's going to be their debut album. It's called Days of the Lost, and it's going to release on August 12th, 2022 from Nuclear Blast Records. Now, if anybody's watching this on YouTube, I'll throw links in the description of the video where you can go check out their social medias, check out their touring schedule, because they do have a badass tour coming up with Machine Head and Amana Marth over in Europe. But you can also go pre-order the album and help support these guys, man, because first release I'm already so excited about this. And if you're listening on audio and you can't, you know, see the links in the description of the video, you can also go to thehaloeffect.band and you can check out their latest videos, pre-order the album, all of that good stuff, man. Lots of ways to support these guys. We'll talk about that more in the podcast, but let's just jump into this one, man. Episode 10 of the Back Lounge podcast. Let's welcome Peter Eversh to the show. So, Peter, welcome to the podcast. How are you, man? Thank you. I, I'm, I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm very good. I'm very excited for this episode. 
And oh, cool. <laughs> Me too. You know, but before before we really get going, I'm just gonna feed your ego a little bit here because I don't think oh, I've told you this. Bring it. You know. Um, this podcast for me is so full circle with how my life revolving around music has worked because when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, you were, and pretty much still are like my base hero. Like oh, you, you're one wow, of the reasons, you're, you. <laughs> you're one of the reasons I started playing bass when I was a teenager. Wow. That, that's <laughs> thank you. So that's it's super cool. Yeah. It, it's like countless hours when I was a teenager of, of playing through like, colony and clayman and reroute and stuff and then yeah. here we are it's it's just wild how the world works well it's fantastic thank you so much that, yeah that means uh, a lot to hear yeah of course man but man well as i told you we don't have anything prepared we're just going to talk so this is this is gonna probably this is probably going to get interesting because there's so much to talk about not only do you have new music coming out but you've also got a brewery and a restaurant and so we're going to get into some stuff but um sure <laughs> let's let's just start at the the basic you know that everybody knows about the halo effect basic yeah the <laughs> basic yeah. yeah 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 um you know for me the the halo effect seemed to come out of nowhere like i hadn't really heard anything about it and then all of a sudden all my you know swedish and mostly just scandinavian friends and stuff were like dude you have to check out this this group that just came out um and obviously everybody that's heard it knows the background of the band. All you guys have been in the music scene together forever. But was this something that was the halo effect, something that you guys had been working on or planning for a while, or did it just kind of spontaneously happen and you went with it? Well, I guess it depends who, who of us you ask, but I mean, we've been talking about playing together again for quite some time. Um, and then I guess the stars were aligned when when this you know not saying the pandemic was a good thing but it but it it has its uh, had its moments where you got a lot of time time off to time to do stuff so Nicholas came to me and asked me would you like to do something and uh, with uh, or would you and Daniel like to do something because we were at the brewer at the time and we talked it through it was like yeah it would be really cool to do something and uh, who else who who would be singing you know and uh, Michael is one of my best friends and you know it's like talk to him and i never played with him ever so I, I guess it 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 was very spontaneous because at the same time nicholas had spoken to michael on a train ride back from the, like a grammy award thing or something like that in, in sweden like a year ago or a year earlier and uh so when i suggested michael he had already spoken to michael you know <laughs> and so and then i called michael up would you would you uh, be able to, would you want to do this you know and uh i was like yeah is this for real now then yeah yeah let's do it yeah so it kind of started like that, and then we just sat in my my other. Well, I had all this stuff is crammed in my basement right now, but I had a I have a house uh, in the backyard where I had it set up before. Now it's a training studio there. Uh, so we we met there and we listened to some ideas and we started creating some music. And then Nicholas had tons of ideas that he showed us, and it kind of grew from there. <clears throat> so I guess. In his mind, it was probably something that he planned and uh, wanted to ask us also. Um, but from my point of view, I think that it just, you know, it, it just um, came at the right moment, moment with the right people. Yeah, as a lot of things do. I mean, like you yeah. said, the the, pan the pandemic necessarily or wasn't necessarily a good thing, but there were a lot of people that made like the best of having that time and, you know, being away from their other jobs and stuff like that. I mean... 
you know, over this whole thing, it's like I started the YouTube channel, which I never planned on doing ever. I only did it because I couldn't tour. You know, we got sent home as most other people did. And then, you know, my, my wife and I had our first child. Our daughter just turned one a month ago. And it's been pretty amazing to be home for that because had we been touring still, I probably would have had to go back out on tour and I wouldn't be seeing her as much, you know? So yeah. we've, we've kind of made the best of everything. And now it's getting to the point where tours are starting to happen again. And, um, I, I feel like I want to take like one or two tours a year just to keep doing it. My wife has said she's fine with it. So later I'm going back out on tour this year and it's really cool. But the, you know, my, my first initial, I think you saw it, but my first reaction to the Halo effect, which was Shadow Minds, which was most people's first introduction. I saw it. It was like... Made I me had, really happy, man. I, I had... Well, thank you. I mean, made me happy. Like, I had that moment where I had I had seen all these metal outlets and all these music outlets, um, you know, billing you guys as the new in flames. And... I get it, but I feel like it's a little unfair. There were some outlets like Blabbermouth and Metal Sucks and stuff that were making it seem like it was some rivalry where you guys were starting a band yeah. to like stick it to the old guys. And I'm like, that's not what it seems like to me at all. No, no, no. It couldn't be further from the truth. And and it's like somebody somebody said it to me like perfectly. Uh, when you get that question, you know, talk about in flames, talk about it's like, well, it's like talking about your ex-wife, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah. you had it, it was great at that time, but then you moved on, right? Yeah. So the Halo, the Halo effect started <clears throat> out of love for music. Not at all to spike anybody or to, you know, create some rivalry, yeah. nothing like that at all. And uh, it needs to be said, and it probably will be said a bunch of times because it's, I mean, <clears throat> sorry, my <clears throat> no, you're fine. voice is cracking up. Uh, my The love for music and the love for each other is 100% what it's all about. Yeah. And I mean, you know how the internet works nowadays, though. People need those headlines, (laughs) you know, and I think any music fan can see that and know that it's that's not at all what it is, because, you know, you guys are still connected in some ways, too. Like that would be a really awkward thing for you guys to do that and then have to see some of those guys, you know? Yeah. And it would be like totally uh, the wrong reason as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do everything I do a base uh, upon how I feel. You know, I try to do everything with a good vibe and everything that makes me feel feel good, feel great. Yeah. And that's what it's all about with everything that I do. So if I would ever start something to piss somebody else off, then it wouldn't make me feel good and I couldn't keep on doing it. So yeah, it's real simple in my world, but I understand how people think that and how yeah. some people would like to think that, but there's yeah. no rivalry. You know, the in Flames, I've been, I was a member for 20 years and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's a, it's a great band and it always will be. Yeah. And it's funny because like, I think some people took, took it the wrong way when I said it too. I, I said, this band sounds more like in flames than in flames does now. And there were some people that thought I was taking a shot at them. And I was like, guys, I, I have the jester head tattooed on me. Like in flames is, will always be one. Me yeah. Too. yeah. I mean, in flames will always be one of my favorite bands ever. It's just that first initial reaction to hearing the halo effect, especially in that first music video when everybody was individually introduced walking into the (laughs) the set. I mean, I had one of those moments where I was like, holy shit. Like, (laughs) and it wasn't just, you know, you guys being from in flames. It was Michael as well. It's like in flames, dark tranquility at the gates, soil work that built my foundation of what I liked about metal when I was a kid. 
So I think the halo effect initially for me was just such a good nostalgic feeling. And then hearing the sound is the same thing. I'm like, this is the soundtrack of my teenage years now while I'm an adult and a dad. And, you know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, it's, it's, it's not really weird that it sounds the way that it does because we've, you know, we've been, we've been playing this music for such a long time. And mm -hmm. uh, obviously a bunch of us played together with in, uh, in, in flames. And uh, it's very natural to write this type of music. But the fun thing, when we started writing, there was no like thought or agenda on the type of sound we were going to have. We just wrote music and it ended up sounding the way that it does because of how we play. Yeah, you know my my uh, my bass tone and Daniel's drumming and uh, Nicholas and Jesper's guitars and then adding Michael to that. You know, it's it's very uh, very natural. Yeah, and um, and also, I mean, you got to understand that Gothenburg, where we all live, is is super small, and uh, being on the road for twenty something years, you don't you don't make a lot of new friends back home because you you tend to keep your old friends. You know, even though yeah. I've been off the road for a few years now, it's like. These are my buddies. These are the people that I do hang out with. And it's very, very easy then to, you know, just start start a band, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that. Over the past two years while we've been home, the majority of people that I've talked to are my friends that I was touring with. Because yeah. that's all, that's being on the road for that long. That's all you know. You know the people that you're sharing a bus with and the people that you're seeing every day. I mean, yeah, it sounds horrible to say it, but I, I tell people like, there are guys that I've spent more time with on the road than I've spent with my actual wife because we're always, Hell working, yeah. you know, yeah. so, yeah. but, and it's, you know, the, the sound for me is so just represent representative representative stereotypical yeah. <laughs> of, of that Gothenburg sound that I'm used to. And there's a lot of different sounds coming out of Sweden right now. And it was, it was cool to just hear that, you know, everything I expect from that Gothenburg sound with the band and, you know, three singles now already. And I've, I mean, I've already pre-ordered the album and I'm super excited for anybody listening. Oh, that album yeah. comes out on August 12th. Um, yes, it does. Dude, it, it's, it's probably my most anticipated album of the year. It, it for sure top three absolutely cool um, yeah mine too i'd say because i mean we've <laughs> we've had this music now written for quite some time and recorded for you know quite some time and we lived with it for such a long time and that's always the case obviously for any artist you know but now it's been like we had to keep this a secret for such a long time since the pandemic was and we didn't want to release something and then not being able to go out uh, and play some shows for you know three years so once we kind of knew that it was starting to uh, to um, end, we we made some plans with Nuclear Blast and how we were going to do this, you know, and get it out. But I mean, I love the songs, I love the album, and it's so much of everybody in them. And um, I can't wait for people to hear the whole the whole album. Can't yeah. wait. It's going to be a, so much fun. It's it's going to be great, man. And you know, once once the album comes out, do you guys do you guys? If you can talk about it, do you have any solid touring or live show plans that you guys are going to be doing? Well, we're doing uh, uh, the festivals, and that I think they're all announced now, pretty much yeah. this summer. And then, uh, as the album comes out, then we go on tour with uh, Machine Head and uh, Amon and Mark. That's right, in, I forgot uh, about in that. Europe and the UK. Yeah. So that that's the one you know big thing that we have planned. That's that's official that I can talk about. But I'm really looking forward to that. It's a big big tour with. Uh, two great bands and people that I know from, from the past, you know, I, I've never toured with uh, Amon, but I've met them numerous times and I know the guys and 
machine that I have toured with. Uh, you know, great, great, you know, great people. Yeah. It's going to be, and I and I know a lot of the crew is going to be there are people that I've worked with in the past and and you know seen and I'm just looking forward to a big family reunion and going on the road and playing shows and enjoying ourselves. Yeah. I just I gotta I gotta find out if I can still stand with my legs like far apart for an hour though. We don't know, <laughs> dude. I I feel like I'm I'm going I'm doing a tour in October starting in October this year. And already I told my wife, I was like, I feel like I need to go back to the gym or something. Like oh, I haven't yeah. done this in two years. Like, and, and same you know, here. I'm, I'm working hard in the gym and, and running and doing all that just to, well, to make myself feel good, obviously, but you know, yeah. also to get in shape, take some time. It's really easy to destroy the shape, but it's, and it takes a long time to build it back up. So I'm oh, you know, yeah. preparing. And it's, you know, you know, just as well as I do what it's like on the road. Um, and you've had way more experience on the road than I have, but uh, it, it's it's interesting because your your crew guys are usually on their feet for depending on what kind of tour you're talking, ten to twelve hours a day. But then the band is going to be doing stuff all day as well on the side, and then has to go on the stage and just go you know an hour of a hundred percent energy the whole time, and that's draining. I mean, it's it's a lot of stamina. Well, I mean, both yes and no. That's the part that I always love the most, you know, because obviously that's why we were there to go on stage and, and meet people and, and interact and, and just play your music. And, and be, that's what it's all about. So that's what you're waiting for the whole day. You know, I'm, a, I'm usually an early riser. So I go up and I go for a walk or run or to the gym or whatever, just to run around. And then there's the whole rest of the day. And then you play late at night. And, um, yeah. But going on stage has always been when you get that energy kick and energy boost, and that's yeah. what it's all about. That that's why I kept on touring for so many years because that's the part that I really, really loved. Yeah, I think for me too, the the actual stage show was the part of the night that, and it's funny for me just as a tech because I could have the shittiest day ever. Stuff could break. I'd have to repair stuff all day. I'd not be getting along with people. But the second that show starts, even though I'm just in a support role off the stage there's something about the energy and the adrenaline kick that you get that yeah. is just amazing and it's very I missed, contagious I missed yeah. that yeah me too i went to well as you know i, I went to show last night and uh, yeah i mean just going going back to shows now it's just it just feels amazing you know it's and i, and I looked at the scheduling in shows in gotham where it's so many shows all the time everything that's been you know rescheduled is happening now so many bands so you know in each genre that i i i love it fantastic is uh is sticky fingers still putting on shows it's uh putting on some shows it's a different uh the guy who used to run it for many years his name is manco uh magnus axe is his uh, professional name he's a guitar player um he has sold it a bunch of years ago and there's been some some acts trying to uh uh, reawake it. I'm not quite sure how it works right now. I, I know there's a show with my other old band, Syrah, uh, this Thursday that I uh, probably will go and watch. Uh, but I don't know how many shows. There's a couple of different venues that put on shows now. Yeah, instead of took the took it over. Because I was I was always intrigued be, uh, by Sticky Fingers because the, of the In Live We Trust DVD with that set that you guys did. Oh there. yeah. And then yeah. I and then I heard that it had closed, but then one of our Swedish friends on Discord said that it was open again. And you know, I I gotta imagine there's just the Swedish music scene in general. Like for example, Sabaton is doing a tour right now in Sweden, and they're basically yeah. just playing 
clubs in like 30 different cities in Sweden. And yeah, like, they're doing that, going to, to out to all the small cities and doing that. And it's, that's I, so cool. I love that. I love that thing. You know, it's uh, it's a really cool way to connect with the fans and to go out and instead of just, I mean, it's wonderful to play a big stage with a big audience, but also to get down and dirty and sweaty in, in a small club. Is, it's That's where, what it's all about, you know. Yeah. So I think that's a great thing that they're doing. Yeah, they played like, they played a, a small suburb. It's not even a city, but uh, like twenty minutes outside of Gothenburg, uh, just last week. And was, I didn't even know about it, but um, it's like they played there. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty cool. You know, because yeah. they're you know obviously one of Sweden's biggest bands, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, I. It's cool to do stuff like that. Yeah, when I had Hannes, Hannes, their drummer was the first guest on this podcast, and he oh, told he told great me, guy. oh, he's awesome, and he was telling me he's oh, he was almost looking forward to that tour more than doing like the arenas and stuff because he's like those those old rock clubs and stuff are like it gets you back to your roots, yeah. like that's that's what rock and metal is is just those clubs, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're because we did the same thing with In Flames a couple of times. And when you're in that, uh, you know, fantastic position where you actually get to choose to do that, then it's obviously it's it's fantastic. But you can also choose to go back to the big stage now mm-hmm. for for bands such as such as Halo Effect, for instance. That's probably where we'll, you know, when we do our first tour, we'll do the club tours as as our option, and it'll be it'll be a little different, but it's still the the part of going out and getting in your face with you know the audience. That's I really love that. When you were when you were in In Flames, did you were you still there when Joe started drumming after Daniel, or were you gone at the same time? I, no, I was there. Uh, we did that uh, album Battles, Battles uh, yeah. with Joe, and then I did one tour, I think, a couple of shows in one tour, and then I just felt that I, you know, I had, I'm done. You know, yeah. I, I want to go home. The, uh, hmm? No, I was gonna say the only reason I ask is because I used to drum tech for Joe in the band that he was in before you guys. Red? And, yeah. And yeah. I, pre- I, I, I knew that. Yeah. I, I read it somewhere, you know. I'm I'm pretty sure I may have introduced him to In Flames at some point because cool. <laughs> he he grew up in like the um the Texas like metalcore scene and stuff like that. And when I was working for Red, I used to listen to, you know, a lot of In Flames and a lot of other stuff. And they they knew how much I liked the band. And I Joe and I lived together at one point in Nashville. Really? Yeah. And for just a tour. Because um, he was in, he was living in Texas. I was living in Illinois. And we decided to just rent a place together so we didn't have to drive back and forth. But, uh, yeah, it was that was another one of those full circle moments where it's like, yeah. after he left Red and then I stopped working for Red as well um he hit me up randomly one day and he's like hey i'm recording an album within flames and then shortly after that it was like hey i'm drumming for them now and i was like <laughs> this is so the music world like you said is just so small it's crazy yeah it's it's wild um and then uh, just a just a great guy i gotta say i i didn't get to know him too much obviously because i we did the album and then a couple of tours but I, yeah super nice guy fantastic he's a, drummer he's a he's a great drummer and it, i was so surprised honestly i i know what he's capable of i worked for the guy I set up his drums every day but when he told me that he joined in flames i had never seen him drum like that because yeah. because while red does have some parts here and there that have like some double bass and stuff like that like it was more 
hard rock style drumming for the most part. And then when I first saw videos of him playing with you guys, I was like, damn, I've literally never seen or heard this guy play like this before. Yeah. It was, it was really cool to see. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. He was more of a hard rock drummer, kind of, you know, if you ask me. Than yeah, that. yeah. But, but he did it really, really well. And Daniel's drum parts are really difficult to figure out, uh, as I understood, because he's a, he's one of those guys that's self-taught, never really did. He, he played stuff his way, you know, with when somebody was going to copy it. Or we had a standing drummer here and there, you know, and, and everybody had lots of problems doing it because it was just so unorthodox way of yeah. playing kind of you know and that's that that's i guess uh, how we all are you know when we none of us went to a music teacher none of us know the classical way or how it, the right way we just we just played you know so yeah. for joe to go in and and you know do that uh, with being a different style of drummer like you said i think it was really really cool yeah i i think there's something to be said about what you were just talking about because so many people put emphasis and credibility on music schooling like if you find out a musician went to some music academy you're like oh they're they must be able to play anything and they're really good but there's something about self-taught musicians like you said that have a certain level of unorthodox technique to them where knowing less allows you to do more because you're not thinking about what you no, just play should be yeah. doing yeah 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 i mean it's not dissing anybody who's going to music school that's fantastic yeah. and they're you know i'm a huge like a dream theater fan and stuff like that and they're all you know very very schooled musicians as far as i know you know oh, yeah. a, a fantastic band but just saying that you know coming from a different uh, type of music and getting into that type of drumming i was that was very i was impressed yeah I mean, I was the same way when I picked up bass. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I was trying to learn when I was younger was just turning on records that myself or my dad had and just listening over and over and trying to play. Like, I had yeah. no, no schooling with anything that I did in terms of drums and bass either. The only schooling I did was for saxophone, which I haven't touched for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm trying to learn sax saxophone. No way. I, 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 yeah, because I, I love jazz and I love the instruments. So I bought a saxophone. Well, I'm not saying I, I, I'm not trying to learn. I um, I'm a little bit too lazy because I, I kind of it's like when I when I got it and I started it's like I realized I know I don't even know how to play anything. So I had to look online a little bit to started playing and stuff. But then I, I ended up where I, when I couldn't reach certain notes and I had no clue on how to get a higher or lower octave and stuff like that. So kind of put it aside. It's my saxophone case is right there. <laughs> nice. uh, uh, but I, I really some point i'm going to learn but i'm looking for a teacher a lot of somebody who can actually teach me like I, oh if i'd be able to i would i would say i would do it in a second <laughs> but i haven't i haven't played in like 15 years but at one point when i was in high school i was actually like chaired in state like i i learned on an alto saxophone and yeah. then I, I switched to baritone saxophone when i was uh, a teenager and a, the hardest part about saxophone in my opinion is actually um the shapes that you make with your mouth on the reed, like on yeah. those woodwind instruments. I mean, once you learn the actual notes and placements and stuff like that, I actually think even now it's so ingrained in my head that I could probably pick it up and still know all the notes just holding it. Yeah. But, but I don't think there's any way I'd be able to make a decent sound now because that shape that you make with your mouth has to be so practiced, especially yeah. when you're hitting higher and lower notes, you have to change what you're doing. So that's how you're doing it. Like, like you're, you're 
you know, pushing harder to get a higher note or is like this. Yeah. Or purse, pursing your lips more on the mouthpiece and stuff like Interesting. that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> See, I never and, got there. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there are, there, you know, there are octaves on the actual instrument that you can hit, but yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of that tone is from what you're actually doing with your air and your mouth movements and stuff with the instrument. And it's just, it was, it's, it was a really cool instrument to learn and play when I was younger, but then, you know, I got into metal and thought it was cooler to play drums or bass. <laughs> it is cooler, but uh, <laughs> when you're younger, <laughs> no, well, it's uh, obviously, you know, it's individual. But I've, I've uh, discovered like uh, I really, really love like old school jazz. A lot of, a lot of it has a lot of saxophone and it. it's nothing beats it. Yeah, there's a there's a band that I discovered when I started my channel. Um, like death metal band called Rivers of Nile. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with them. No, no. They, they, they have many tracks on their album that has saxophone in it, and it is the wildest thing to hear a death metal band that has saxophone leads going in their parts. And it somehow, I gotta check that out. It somehow works. What's the name of the band? Uh, Rivers of Nile. Rivers they're on. Nile. I think they're on Metal Blade. But, Rivers uh, of Nile. Cool. Yeah, check that out. It's um, they actually have an album. Um, I actually have it up on my wall here. Their latest album is called The Work, and it is fantastic from start to finish. And there's so many cool. saxophone parts and stuff in it that's just so cool. I'll check that out. <clears throat> that's great. I'm really bad at discovering new music. I, I, I tend to the older I get, the older music I listen to. You know, go back to Aretha Franklin and all that stuff. You know, really old, old stuff I'm... that I really love. So uh, it's interesting with new music that. When it actually is good. Same. And I actually think I got a credit doing this YouTube thing to to really getting back into music because working in the music industry for me, I was always kind of absorbed into whatever bands I was working for. I was very familiar with their music and the music with the bands that were on tour with them and the radio and stuff like that. And a lot of the stuff that I listened to for the past 10 years is all stuff that I was listening to as a teenager or that I grew up with with my dad and stuff like that. And ever since I've started this YouTube channel, I've checked out more and more stuff. Like for example, last night I recorded a reaction to the new machine head single. That is the first new machine head song I've listened to in 10 years. Yeah. And I don't know why, like I, I listened to machine head when I was young around the same age I discovered in flames and all those bands. So it was like burn my eyes and the more things change and uh, the burn yeah. red and all that. And for some reason, I just fell out of um, the band. It had nothing to do with them or the music. It was, I think I discovered more things as I was growing and my musical taste just went a different direction. And then yeah. I finally sat down and listened to more of their, their, their new stuff last night. And I was like, damn, I've missed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, but isn't that great when you kind of rediscover stuff? Yeah. And he was like, that's the beauty of music. It's, I mean, it's timeless. Obviously you can hear, you know, certain age of certain types of music, but just that it never disappears doesn't yeah. matter if you haven't heard them in a while they're still going to be there and you'll still have a huge treasure to go back to and, and discover and I, that's that's what i love the most about music i guess you know that it's always going to be there oh yeah yeah <laughs> and it's people's uh frame of reference on stuff is wild too because there are bands that in my mind are huge that other people say they've never heard of. And then the same thing happens yeah. with me. I mean, when I started this YouTube channel, I was doing reactions to bands where there were people, I got called out by people that were like, you're full of shit. There's no way you've never listened to this band before. And I was like, 
Well, you got to keep in mind too, there's a, there's a big separation between the North American music market and the European music market a lot of the times. So for example, a band like Sabaton or Nightwish or something like that, like I had heard their names before, but I had never actually sat down and really listened yeah. to their music until I started this channel. Yeah. And it's, it's just opened me up to a whole new world of music. And I'm just, I'm, I'm more in love with music right now than I think I've been like since I was a teenager. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So let's talk about beer. <laughs> we can. I have one right here. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the, you know, as we said earlier, you've got your hands in a lot of different things. And one of them is co-owning a brewery with your drummer, Daniel. Um, yes. I, I just, I'm so curious on that. I, I've, I've read quite a few things about it, but for the sake of the podcast and people listening, how did that whole brewery develop how did you guys get the idea that like hey we're gonna make beer now i guess going back to when we started touring um i have to say this first because when we started touring we i mean obviously we always liked beer but <clears throat> when you're younger it's like we're more we were only after the effect obviously to get drunk yeah uh have fun and drink beer and you know uh throw darts or play music or whatever that was what it was all about. Give us the easiest thing to drink and we'll drink it, you know? But then as time moved on, <clears throat> people started throwing us with, especially in America, started throwing us like local beers from Mage because you guys are way ahead of the Swedish craft beer scene. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was always this flowery, bittery shit. We always threw it away. Yeah. Like, fuck, you just give this, or not threw it away, but we always like put it, we had a, a shower in the bus usually and we always put it there. By the end of the tour, <laughs> yeah. we found some, some lucky person who got like 10 cases. Yeah, I'm familiar but with that then, move. <laughs> as, the, as the year went went on, I guess we all got a little interested in, you know, you know, trying flavors rather than, you know, chugging 15 beers all the time. And uh, Daniel especially was um, interested in this and uh guess he he went into local craft beer pubs and uh, we started going into breweries and stuff like that and i was still not so keen on it some i like the american pale ale it was always very easy to get in yeah. but i wasn't too keen on the ipa so or you know stuff like that but he was so he started uh homebrewing and just started fiddling with the idea what am i gonna do if i ever quit music you know i need to i need to do something I, i've never had a job i've never done anything you know, that I that I, I have no knowledge besides playing drums. And uh, at the same time, I had uh, the restaurant. We can talk about that later. But yeah. I, I started that for kind of the same reason, to have something on the side, something to fall back on, like a side side hobby or whatever. Um, and so he started brewing. He started bringing his brews on, on tour of festivals and stuff. And it was really, really good. And... Uh, one day when we were talking, he mentioned to me that he was going to leave the band. And uh, we went on talking through everything and, you know, what what went up to this moment and stuff. And then he said, I'm going to start a brewery because that's that's what I want to do uh, on the side. And he, he, he did. And I said, well, one, once you're ready to sell a beer, I'll buy it into my restaurant. And uh, so he called me up one day. Okay, I have a few cakes here now. Can you buy those? Yeah, sure. We did. And we went out and... Um, just sold it. At this point, it was only Daniel. And it was so good and it was so popular. And I just asked him, it's like, dude, you're awesome at this. But I noticed that you're not too keen on, on uh, advertising stuff or, you know, making uh, PR for yourself and stuff like that. No, it's not really my thing. It's my thing. I can do that, you know, if you want. 
so we we waited a couple of months until he had more experience and more stuff. And then I just I climbed aboard. I called him up one day. After, this is after he quit the claims. Call him up. Should, shouldn't we start doing this now? You know, you brew the beer and I'll, I'll promote it and sell it. I was like, yeah, let's do that. So we started. It was just the two of us. And it was so cool because we went back to kind of like how it was when we started a band. You you lift your own equipment. You you uh, tune your own instruments. You you load in, load out, do all that stuff by yourself. But by the time we quit in flames, we had people working for us who did that, all that stuff. All that stuff. But starting a brewery was going back to the roots. We did everything ourselves, including going to, the, to buying hops and malts and stuff like that. And brew, he brewed everything. And then we bottle everything by hand together like each side of one side of the table he we had like the small little i don't know what it's called but a small little thing we had three bottles at a time and he filled those gave them to me i capsuled them and then we put them into another room so they could ferment right and we did that and then once they were done i would promote it and i would sell it to a swedish monopoly called sustainable and you know various pubs and it grew from there and we got some more people in so it started out of a interest from beer and interest in flavors from his side and i kind of you know went in with what i think that i'm pretty good at you know uh yeah pr and um uh, i guess if he would have started selling stamps you know maybe that's what we would have been doing now so I, it wasn't just a beer for me it was working with daniel and i know he's so so super um thorough when it when it comes to whatever he does and yeah. i have never ever doubted his uh, capability of doing something um, 100% from his heart, you know, and if, if he wouldn't be satisfied with it, he would he would pour it out. Yeah. So and that's what I was interested in, because that's something that I can relate to. And I trust him. And he, you know, and I, and I like beer, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't help. And it didn't hurt that it was a brewery that he wanted to start. So yeah, that's But yeah, that's, that's, that's a long story. But that's kind of how we I mean, came it, about. It's a cool story, though, man. I mean, hearing you guys go from music to that. And now, like currently, you guys actually have a very good sized brewery. Um, yeah. Do you? Well, yeah. Well, obviously, there are bigger ones. <laughs> yeah, because I've never been there. Obviously, um, yeah. how do you? How is it run in there? Do you guys actually have a tap room where people can come in and and try stuff? Yeah. Or is yeah? Yeah, we do. We have a tap room now. Now it's actually full full on restaurants because the laws in Sweden are like it's a little it's a little. Um, square i'd say they're a little bit behind a little afraid of alcohol and what we do is not trying to get people drunk we try to teach people about flavors and tastes yeah. you know and that it's actually okay to drink uh, just to to try the taste it's mm -hmm. not about the bus all the time you know even you know even though it can be a nice compliment yeah. you know but uh so we had a tap room uh, but the law said that you could only serve eight servings per person uh, of like small like this like 15 centimeters i don't know how that is in your measurement yeah. but i'm actually good um, with metric so i know exactly what you mean <laughs> yeah a very very little which yeah. is fine as far as tasting but then since we were a little different we had like uh we always uh, hired local food trucks to kind of get in this whole flavor thing you know try you know this type of beer with that type of food so we had different food trucks every day like we were open Fridays and Saturdays. So every day was a different uh, food truck. But in in order to get like, um, well, that meant that people wanted to stay longer and drink more beer and have dinner and, you know, you know, not get, you know, hammered, but have a good time for a long time. But in order for us to sell full size uh, beers, we needed to build a kitchen and have our, our own menu kind of. And that's what we've done now. So we're opening and actually 
in three weeks, we're opening the restaurants, uh, Odd Island restaurants, where you can buy full-size beers that's produced in the back room and, uh, you know, drink as many as you like. And when you're too plastered, we'll say no, no. No <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool man we we have similar I, rules here like i've lived in nashville for about 12 years and the bars here have similar rules where if, yeah. you, if you don't serve food there's only a certain amount of beer you can sell so a lot of the bars here have gotten <laughs> they've gone through this loophole where as long as you offer the food you can sell the beer so yeah. we, we have tap rooms here that on their menu have like frozen pizzas listed for $200 because they don't want exactly, anybody yeah. to actually buy it, yeah. so, but it allows them to sell the beer. And it's yeah. it's funny to hear you say that like Sweden is a little square with like consuming alcohol because the, I, I, the stereotype to me is like, you know, most Swedes, Finns, I mean, Scandinavia in general, like people drink. And um, one of my moderators on Discord is Swedish and when he first explained to me what uh, system blog it, I was like, wait, so you only have liquor stores that your government controls? Like nobody can just open a liquor store or something? And he's like, no. I was like, that's wild. <laughs> well, it, it, it is, and it's, um, it's a long history of it. You know, it, it started out with people being too, drinking too much, obviously. They mm-hmm. wanted to take control. These days when we have like, I think we have like 400 breweries in Sweden or something like that and there's only like five major ones and then the rest of us are like you know microbreweries um so we have sustainable logit which allows us to get really good distribution throughout the whole country uh for kind of cheap uh <clears throat> shouldn't we have it we would have to uh, supply that ourselves which would be obviously very expensive um but there are some stuff that we're trying to work in now that we can actually you know, if people come to the tap room, they should be able to buy a six pack with them home or stuff yeah. like that. You know, we can do that now, but then it's like uh, low ABV beer. Very, mm-hmm. we call it uh, Folkel, which is people's beer, uh, with the correct translation. Um, but if it's stronger than the three point five percent, then you have to go to sustainable market and buy it that way. So we're trying mm-hmm. to work out a way where we can combine the two because I don't want to get rid of it. I think it's I think it's great when it comes to us smaller. You know, we can actually. We send everything to their um, warehouse, and then they, they distribute it out to whoever wants to order it. You know, oh, cool. so it actually works pretty good. But uh, it's hard to grow on it because they have certain rules. So you can't just say, "I think we have like 480 different system logs in Sweden," and you can't just say, "I want to be on all of them." You have to work your way in. You have to, you know, sell enough to do that, and uh, it's a little difficult. Yeah, it's a long process. It takes too too long. Yeah, but so so, so with the with the yeah, I mean, the just the whole business side of it is like, you know, I'm I'm sure like any business, there's a lot of little things that people don't think about. I mean, I would have never thought about half the stuff you were talking about either. Um, but with the restaurant opening at the brewery, you've obviously got experience with that because yeah. you also have 2112, which has got to be a rush. <laughs> that's a rush reference, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure yeah. like <laughs> the first time I saw that, I read about that. How long, well, how long has it been open now? It's been at least. Uh, no, it's going to be uh, uh fuck. It's going to be 12 years now. 12. In it is kind of, it has been 12 years. We, we did the thing is since we had them we celebrate uh, our anniversaries in the uh, end of april 
So we usually pick a little different date depending on if it's a weekend or not. This year we actually didn't celebrate. We will, but because we had to celebrate our, no, it's 11 years because we celebrated our 10th anniversary on the 2112 day, you know, 21st of December, yeah. which is where we always have a big party regardless because when it was in 2021, uh, when it was the, the actual 10th anniversary, it was pandemic and we had nobody there. You know, we we had so many stupid rules that I think that, you know, people, we had to sit down and you weren't allowed certain more than four people at a table and you had to keep like a meter and a half in between and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, well, I sat at the restaurant and was like, well, happy birthday. You know, there was like 15 oh. other people because that's all you could fit. So we moved the anniversary to the 21st of December and kind of felt too soon to have a different one uh, already in April, even though it's the yeah. correct date. So. I'm, yeah, it's it's been quite some years. I, I was going to say, I remember reading an article. It, it it was probably one of the metal outlets, but when they said that, um, I think you still run it with Bjorn, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When it said that you guys were opening a restaurant, and I saw the name was 2112. I remember I was with a buddy and I looked at him and I was like, oh, it's somebody likes Rush. And he's like, why do you, <laughs> why do you say that? And I was like, 2112? And he's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, oh my God, come on. Like... <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it was it was so much fun. We were four people that started it, uh, and uh, one of them was uh, a guy that was with us for a long time on the road called Victor. I think he's out with Inflames now again. Okay. As as um, I don't know exactly what he does, but he's he's helping the band out. I think, um, and he's a, he was a great or he's a great buddy. And uh, he uh, we were sitting around just talking about names, you know, and we decided that. Burn was pretty cool, you know. Deep Purple was pretty yeah. cool. Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, it's too long, you know. Yeah. Awesome, awesome model, you know, and just went went through it like that, you know. And uh, but then he said, "What about twenty one twelve? It's like yes, because yeah. it's classy. It sounds classy. Yep. If you know Rush, it's amazing. But you know, it's just it just felt right. So we started that, and I I don't know how many times I told the story about the the Rush album and the, the you <laughs> yeah. know the. Yeah, what it's all about, twenty one twelve and stuff yeah. like that. But it's uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's been around for quite some time. Yeah, I actually, I actually kind of like Burn too. Like, and it's yeah. funny because frame of reference, right when you said Burn, my head was already at Deep Purple. Like without you even yeah. saying anything else. Yeah, um, Bjorn really likes that. So that was his suggestion. It was like great. Yeah, that's great. But you know, there's something. So, but when when Victor just suggested twenty one twelve, it's like yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. That and yeah. so t over over 10 years now of that. So is how how close is that restaurant in proximity to your brewery? Are they similar distance or in, in the similar area? Or no, not? it's about it's about a 20, 20 minute to drive. I'd okay. Say. Uh, so the brewery is uh, south of Gothenburg in a place called Lindome, which is, uh, yeah, 15, 20 minutes from the center of Gothenburg. But it's it's like you have to drive towards Malmö down, down on the highway and then exit the freeway and go into like a little suburb there. Um, and the restaurant is downtown Gothenburg. Yeah. And even though you are involved with both and co-own both, you're, it's completely separate businesses, right? So you're yes. basically, yes. You're, so you're buying beer from yourself for your other restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But I do, I do have actually somebody doing that for me because otherwise it is going to be too much, you know? It's yeah. Like, we have a really, really great uh, restaurant chef who who knows what to get, and he's he does what he wants. You know, it's like if one of our beers doesn't sell well, then he won't buy it again. 
And I told her, that's totally fine. This is 100% you. Yeah. You know, so, um, uh, which is nice. You know, if I, sh- if I were to do everything, it would be, it would be too much. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you guys made it through the pandemic with both businesses, especially the restaurant too, because, you know, we had a lot of local places here that did not make it through the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, and- I mean, we'll, we'll still see, we'll make it because we, uh, we were smart when we had some good years. And uh, so we are kind of reinvested that the money that we made into the business and into the staff. So first thing we, we told our people was that none of you are going to get fired because a lot of people were afraid about that. Since the government really, they tore down the, the, the restaurant business really hard, made it really difficult, you know, and um, a lot of people borrowed money from the government, you know, postponed their taxes and stuff like that. And a lot, a lot of those people are now in a position where they need to pay that back. And we never did that. But we, we were fortunate enough to to actually have some uh, some money saved so we can actually just you know go through it and um, yeah. the staff their family you know we, they work they're very very um, highly selected you know from from you know people who love people because yeah. one of the things that we said when we started 2112 was that everybody's welcome because I hated going out into into place looking at long hair and beer and tattoos and not being welcomed. Yeah. And they had no idea that I actually could afford to be there and, and drink this uh, high end shit, you know. But yep. so you never know who comes into your bar, and I think that's and you sh- and it shouldn't matter who it is because everybody is equal, and that's something I try to live with regardless. So in building up the place, we had people, you know, working that kind of share that vision that everybody is welcome, and that we had people leave that you know it doesn't really work. So throughout these years we have more and more people that are actually there and has been there for many years that we we really wanted to make sure that they were taken care of because of the lack of support from the shitty government that we're having in sweden um so i'm um, where we are now i'm just i'm hoping that there won't be another pandemic because then then it will be difficult Yeah. I mean, that's, I was kind of talking to Tom about that when he was on the podcast and it's, we're, we're in an area right now where it seems like I can't speak for any other country, but from what I see here in the States is it's like COVID is kind of an afterthought. Now people are out doing whatever they want to do. Nobody's thinking about anything and you know, everything's kind of good right now, but it's this, this kind of keeps, it seems to keep happening in waves and I'm just hoping we don't get another huge wave that shuts everything uh, down. Again. Me too. Me too. And I mean, the thing, the thing is that, that I don't know. I mean, I, I, it seems like the government did the same in, in most, uh, I mean, in, in America and uh, most cities and countries around the world where they kind of put the restaurants, you know, you, this is, this is where it's most contagious restaurants and music. Business. And, yeah. And as far as the restaurant goes, I mean, we have people trained to make sure people aren't too hammered, to make sure that people aren't, you know, antsy or, or you know, too. so that was probably the safest place to be yeah. because, you know, we, we had, uh, and we tried to, I, I went out and I talked a lot to a lot of different politicians, a lot of newspapers to and TV to say that this is just bullshit because in Sweden, we were forced to close the restaurants at, at eight o'clock. Uh, we were forced to have, like I said before, like a, a meter in between each person, you were not allowed to have be more than four people at a table and stuff like that, which means like if you're a small place like 2112 that holds 70 people normally, you could maybe be 20. Yeah. But you still have all the same costs and you still have everything, but you can't get in the same type of money. So um, 
I forgot where I was going with, with this, but uh, it was it was really badly treated. And I, uh, yeah, yeah, that's and when we closed at eight, people went to after parties with no restrictions. Yeah, yeah, you know, go yeah. figure. You know, it, it, it's it's everything, man. And you know, the thing that being somebody that worked in the music industry, the thing that was kind of upsetting to see was. Um, I had talked with another musician about this. It's like what everybody's governments deemed as essential. So for example, every concert in Nashville was, was shut down, no concerts, no nothing yet. They're still having hockey games at the 17,000 capacity arena every yeah. single night. Like yeah. it's like, you know, anybody can just look at that and be like, okay. So it's like, basically we've determined that all the big massive million dollar businesses that we need to survive or can do whatever they want, but all the local businesses can't do anything. Yeah. That's... And we, we see this, the problem now because there's the, um, we're, we don't have people working the restaurant business now we're opening up a, a new uh, restaurant now and it's really difficult to get you know people to work because they they left the business because it yeah. was unsafe you know or, or not unsafe as the business but unsafe to work in it because you never knew when it was going to be yeah. opening it so a lot of people had to you know uh, retrain themselves into different uh, different professions and uh, so now we have that we will have a lot of people going out of business but there's going to be a lot of tax money that's not going to come in there's going to be a lot of uh, unemployment there's going to be a lot of you know um, social anxiety and and uh, depressions and you know maybe even uh, suicides and the horrible things like that due to a government or governments around the world that refuses to listen to the little people yeah no for and that sure pissed, that pissed me off still does yeah i mean i'm sure pissed off a lot of business owners man and you know even in the music industry going along with what you were just saying like um over the pandemic, I think it was more roadies and crew people than, well, I, that would be unfair to say that it was just the roadies and the crew people because bands obviously had a hard time financially too. But a lot of these roadies that have made a living on, on touring for years found other jobs. So now yeah. all these tours that are going out in the States are having a really hard time staffing tours. I mean, everybody knows that I'm not going back out on the road full time. Like everybody that I know in the music community here because I want to stay home with my daughter and stuff like that. I still get called once a week from somebody. Yeah. It's like, dude, we can't find somebody for this tour. Is there any chance you can do it? And I'm just like, wow, that many people must have went and found different jobs over this. Yeah. I... It's, it's wild, man. But you know, it, it does seem like things are, are not, I wouldn't say getting back to the way they were. Cause I don't think we're going to get back to that, but they're getting a little more normal. I mean, I went and saw my first concert a few months ago and you know, a couple of years I went, uh, there was actually a brand new venue in Nashville. They opened a Brooklyn bowl here that was supposed to open oh, cool. in March of 2020 and they yeah. couldn't. So they had their, they started having their first shows and I went and saw uh ginger a few months oh. ago and they were fantastic, man. I, I was actually blown away by like how tight of a band they were live. Um, but the energy at the show was incredible because there were, half the crowd was wearing masks half the crowd weren't but nobody seemed to care like yeah. everybody was there to have a good time for music and it was just it was a really cool moment and i i was going to see it's actually funny i was gonna drive to atlanta to see um nailed to obscurity invited me to go to one of their shows and they're like yeah we're on tour with dark tranquility and i was like oh okay 
And we, uh, our, at the time, our daughter was only like seven months old or something, and she was having a fussy day. And I was like, mm, I, I can't leave my wife alone for a day while I just go to a concert. Yeah. So I never went, but um, there's a lot of stuff coming to town here, man. I mean, um, it scored some good points there, man. It's like it's a future dude, reference. Yeah, you got it. That's thinking ahead. Yeah. I have, and, <laughs> and you have kids, so you can probably relate yeah. to this, but dude, I have so much more respect for moms whose husbands like travel for work and stuff because luckily I was home during this pandemic. I was able to help my wife and be here with our kid, but I, I right now I couldn't, we don't have family that lives near us and that's a big yeah. part of what plays into it. I couldn't imagine leaving on a tour right now and leaving my wife have to deal with this for like, uh. like weeks at a time with no family support or anything like that. So yeah, it's, I, I pretty much have decided, you know, until my wife is comfortable with it, like I'm just going to stay home and help out and do the, the YouTube stuff in the meantime until we go out. Oh, that's but, cool. Good. Yeah. And, it, and it's great, man. I, a lot of roadies that I know have actually told me one of their biggest regrets in life was not taking some time off when their, when their child was born. Like I, I have some friends that had kids and they were back out on the road two days later. Yeah. So, and no, I, I know that, and I've done it too. I mean, I left yeah. when when the kids were young as well. I I don't really believe in regrets for myself, so yeah. it's it is what it is. But uh, could I redo it? I'd do it differently, definitely, mm -hmm. uh, and enjoy it more because I, I took some time off here and there. But you know, I didn't really enjoy it as much because I was always like uh, one foot, or, you know, half of me felt like I was supposed to be on the road. Yeah. I couldn't really enjoy being home, so I would definitely do it different now and enjoy my time. Actually, I subscribe to that same philosophy too. Like I don't I don't regret anything I've ever done because it's got me to where I am right now in yeah. this moment. So I'm everything you know, happens for a reason. Yeah. Exactly. And I firmly believe that. Um but yeah, it's 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 been really cool because I've gotten to see every little thing that she's doing now and she's at this age where she's just I'm surprised she hasn't been banging on this door yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking about that before. I mean, when my I kids are a little older, so they—they, they, I've told them that you know, they, I'm gonna be here now for a while. Yeah. So. The when I had uh, Joachim from Sabaton on here, there was a moment on the while we were recording where you just <laughs> hear pounding on the door and screaming, and I was like, <laughs> "Sorry, man, uh, one year old," and he's like. So, okay. You know, but it's, it, it's cool. She's, she's climbing everything. She's running everywhere, but she's, she's just now starting to make words, which is pretty wild. Uh, amazing. Um, yeah. It's, you got to cherish that. That's, that's fantastic. You got to have some fantastic times before you. Yeah. I have uh, my, my youngest is nine and my oldest is 22. Okay. So it's like, it's been, uh, I haven't slept for 23 years now basically because you know yeah. once she was once she was old enough for that and we got more and then we got another one again and then so it was always like she was she's not doesn't live at home anymore but when she was it was always like okay i gotta stay up until she's at home and then i gotta go get up with the little the first one sometime and then the the middle kid uh needs breakfast at like two three hours later so it's like well, I'll sleep, in, I'll sleep when I'm 50. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's I've kind of accepted that now, too. And the funny thing was, is all my friends that already had kids were like, when I told them we were going to have a kid, they're like, dude, enjoy your sleep now. And I had this cocky attitude where I was like, dude, I've been a roadie for 15 years. I'm used to working on four hours of sleep. I'll be fine. I was so fucking wrong. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so wrong. 
Like we, neither of us have probably slept an entire night since she was born. And I even yeah. joked with Claire the other day. I was like, we'll, we'll sleep when she goes to college <laughs> like, yeah. or, or just moves that's, out. That's, whatever she that's wants. the truth. You know, yeah. so when she, she becomes like self-sufficient, you'll worry about other things. Yeah. It's, it, it is so funny watching what they get into though. I mean, she's really, really into music and at a young age, I'm very much into um, metal and rock and stuff. And I like my approach to music is if something makes me feel good, I'll listen to it. I don't care what genre it is. Yeah. But metal's always been my go-to where my wife is more, um, my wife has a dance background and she's more into like R and B and soul and jazz and stuff like that. And we show different kinds of music to our daughter, but when she was really young, like months, like two, two, three months old, if she was fussy, I would play metal and she yeah. would always calm down. And I actually have a video on my phone <laughs> of one night where she was just incredibly screamy and crazy. I turned on a live stream of uh, Orbit Culture and she just passed out in my arms. Yeah. And our PDG I've, I've done the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Like when they were kids, because it's I guess it's, you know, with a lot of the rhythms and you got all the drums and it's it kind of like a steady noise if you will you know yeah. and, and they you know it calms you down that's that's what our that's what her doctor said i was like is there something yeah. about this she goes she goes i don't know if there's science behind it but she goes i imagine a lot of metal probably sounds like white noise to a kid and yeah. i was like yeah okay that's yeah. <laughs> that makes that makes sense that makes sense yeah I mean, sorry so i gotta i gotta refill here no you're good man it's actually funny that we've been talking about uh beer for so long because one of my regrets is that if I, if, well, not really regret. I say this jokingly. Um, I actually don't drink anymore. <laughs> so like, okay. so if I ever get to Gothenburg, I always wanted to, uh, you know, years ago when I saw Twenty One Twelve open, I was like, oh, I'd love to go there and try some beers and stuff. And I'll just try the food now instead, you know? So we got lots of, lots of uh, non-alcoholic beers. Oh, perfect. That's, that's becoming, yeah, it's becoming really, really big, uh, which is great. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times I I, uh, I just want the. I mean, we were just up out skiing a couple of weeks ago and just wanted a beer. You know, we we sat uh, had some lunch and just wanted beer. And I had I had some. You know, it's it's becoming more and more available. Yeah, and just having a, a nice because like we discussed before, for me it's it's mostly about the taste. Yeah. So I don't really care about if there's alcohol in it or not, as long as it tastes good and. That has been the problem in the past, but these days there's so many brewers that actually do really, really good NA beers. Yeah, I, I actually noticed that because when I originally stopped drinking, the only thing I could usually find was Odules, which is like yeah. the most common in the US. And now if you go to the beer section in a store, there's probably about a dozen different, I mean, Sam Adams has an, an NA IPA. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff. And you know, it's funny because I, I, I loved beer. And I also went through that, you know, as a young kid, you get hammered a lot. And then I went through this phase where I was all about the taste. Anytime we would go on tour anywhere in the U.S., um, a tour manager that I had, he and I would always go to smaller breweries wherever we were and just try whatever they had, you know, local stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, unfortunately, I did get to a place again as an adult where um, I was just drinking to get hammered and I needed to stop. So I just stopped. Yeah. You know? Well, that's great. Good yeah. for you, man. That's yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's a, you know, I, I, I can't blame anything other than myself 
but I do attribute some of it to the 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 music scene that I was in at the time. Um, you know, I was I was touring in country music, which I never thought I would do, but um, I I this may be surprising, but I think country bands party harder than any bands I've ever toured with in my entire life. I I would agree. We have <laughs> we don't really have country in Sweden, but we have a similar style. It's called well, it's dance band yeah <laughs> it's like uh which is it's it's the best equivalent to, to country and they do party more than everybody else yeah. and they do tour harder than everybody else and it's, yeah it's, it's insane yeah so I, I i eventually got to that point where i was just like i just i just have to be done for myself and yeah. it's funny because a lot of the times when i tell people i don't i actually loved your response where you're just like oh cool good job like yeah a lot of people get weird like I'll, yeah. I'll go on a tour and somebody will offer me a beer and I'll be like, uh, it's like, Oh, I don't drink. Sorry. And they'll get, Oh, Oh my God. I'm so sorry. They act like they offended me and then they hide their beers away and stuff. I'm like, yeah. guys, I'm not like going to explode. If you have a beer around me, I'm like, I can sit and I, I go to bars with friends all the time that drink and I yeah. just don't, you know? Yeah. But, no, but I mean, it, it isn't, the, it shouldn't be, uh, a thing either I, yeah. for me it's just natural i've got tons of friends that don't drink and like yeah. i said I, I like to drink but i i usually just drink a few and because yeah. i like the taste of it or you know but it's not to get hammered for me yeah yeah and that's that's great like i like seriously i wish i had that capability i just don't i'm the kind of person that when i drink i love the taste of beer but i also yeah. wanted the effect as well um, well yeah obviously yeah me too sometimes but it's it's I mean, for now you know have, having a beer is just nice yeah and you know I, i'm sure you've seen it too but being in the music industry you know i was i was fortunate where i got to a point where i realized it before anything really bad happened because yeah. I've, I've i've had a lot of friends in the music industry that have um lost careers or had to go to rehabs and for drugs and alcohol and it's you know i i, I feel like we don't need to continue this conversation in depth, but there's a lot of, a lot of the times I, I want to bring it up, um, on my channel when I talk to people is cause it shouldn't be weird. Like no. pe people not drinking shouldn't be weird. And I feel like there are still people that, that think it is. And I actually had a band member that I did a reaction to recently reach out to me. Um, I guess they looked at me, they looked at my stuff on Instagram and they saw that I didn't drink and he was like, dude, I, it's like, I'm sober too, but I've never really talked to anybody about it because I feel weird being in the music industry and telling people that I'm sober. And I was like, don't feel weird, man. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, if, if, if you, if you saying out loud that you're sober, helps somebody else out, then cool. You know, that's exactly, that's what it is. I mean, I, I've done the last couple of tours that I did. I, I tried to have periods uh, where I didn't drink at all because I, I was working out a lot and I noticed that it freaked some people out like yeah. you said um and um and it's a it's a difficult um, environment to to do that uh but I, that's why i did it because i wanted to make sure that i was okay with it and it, and it worked out well yeah so i no i just I, I like the taste of beer and obviously i like to get busted sometimes but i'm a very I'm a kind of a calm guy these days. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, say I'm saying these days. <laughs> yeah, these days. <laughs> and it's, if somebody oh, wants to describe how to, yeah, I, with wants, yeah. I mean, and it's, it, it, alcohol is such a, a normal thing, at least, you know, I can't speak to Sweden's culture because I don't live there, but at least in the US, 
it's just such a common thing. Even how I grew up, I grew up in a small town where we had parties all the time. And then, you know, I go to hockey games with friends and it's so common to drink at sporting events and stuff like that, that it does feel weird when you're the one that's like, no, no, I'm not going to have one today. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, well, it, it, oh yeah, it shouldn't be, but yeah, yeah. let's, let's move on. It's, it's yeah. cool not to drink. I think, yeah, I think absolutely. it's, it, uh, uh, as you say, it shows a lot of, uh, self-control whatever you know it's it's i think it's a good thing when what whatever you decide to do when you actually just stand up with it because it makes you feel better whether it's not drinking not smoking not doing anything i think whatever it is you know as long as it makes you feel good that's great yeah for sure so well if i ever make it uh out to gothenburg i'll try one of your na's instead uh please do yeah um so one of the one of the things I've noticed every time I've ever seen you play with any band or doing anything is you've almost your entire career. It seems you've played Ibanez SR bases. Have you played well, anything else? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, but Ibanez SR bases has always been my, my uh, dream base. When I, can I grew up, I had like, I had people, obviously I had the posters of my idols as well, but I had posters of bass guitars on my wall. That's how nerdy I was, you know? And um, I played ESPs for quite quite some time. I had Spectre for some time as well, played with, with those. And uh, But then this one time I was actually approached with uh, somebody who used to work for Ibanez who came up to me and said, I've followed you for a while now and I, I, know, I think I know what you like and uh, I have a bass for you if you want to try it out. And I was like, it wasn't it was an SR base obviously, and, they, and I was like, yes, please, I'd love to try it. And I, I did, and and we had a relationship for a, a bunch of years, and just I just loved, I loved Ibanez bases. I still play them, uh, obviously, as you as you noticed, and I still work with them. Yeah. Um, I believe in playing stuff that I I like. I believe in you know uh, if I do. Uh, collaborations whether it's uh, music or clothing or, or even food and stuff like that i want to only work with people that i uh, enjoy talking to and uh, brands and products that i can endorse you know uh, straight from my heart and uh, ibanez has always been that and they've always been very good with me so yeah what uh as an actual musician and artist like how cool was it the first time that they that you got to make like your own signature bass with that company? Dude, it was so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was fantastic. I think I have one of those here actually. And maybe I'm not sure if this is the Cause you had yes, you, it is. you had three of them, right? Yeah, this is the second one. Yeah. PIB two. Uh the PIB one is black. Don't think it's here, but yeah, and this is the third one. The red one? It's still Yeah. Yeah. What? Hitting it in the ceiling. <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, this was actually cool. This, this is a little nerdy. This is the, the color is actual blood. I took a blood sample to. Oh get no! The right to, to match color. the color. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. But yeah, now I usually play these. The prestigious. Yep. And this is a. Yeah. Oh, this is a. Yeah. But I really like these ones. I have another one over there that I'm fixing right now because it's some something in the electronic electronic department right. fucked up. But are yeah, you, I love Ibanez bases. Are you uh, are are you pretty particular on five strings now? Because I know for a while you were playing sixes, or does it just depend on what you're doing? 
No, I played sixes for a while, but I kind of realized that I rarely used the the, the thinnest string, so I went back to to fives. And yeah, I, I always play fives now. Okay. I have a kind of a weird tuning, I've been told, but it works for me. It's it's because we a lot of times we always we tune down to C, and uh, then the guitar players would would drop it into A sharp. So instead of doing that for me, I kind of kept the C string and added B string, but the B string is tuned in A sharp. So I got, uh, what is it? D sharp, A sharp, uh, F, C, A sharp again. So these two are the same. Oh, okay, cool. So it's so very, it's... Every, every time I sit with Niklas or somebody, right? And we, we, we try to play each other's stuff, it's like, we can't look at each other's fingers because it's all fucked up. We just have to listen to those. <laughs> yeah. If I'm here, he's gonna be here. You know, it's yeah. That's why I, I really, yeah. It's it's just something that worked really well for me because then yeah, I can yeah. always, uh, you know, transcribe each. Because the the first years with Inflames, the, they were always only tuning to D sharp, I think, and then it was D, and then it was C, and then it was a couple of songs that was drop D on the C string into A sharp. So I just figured I'd do this. And that's why I had the six string also in the beginning because it was just easier for me to never change tuning. Yeah. But uh went back to the five string and I do it like this. That's interesting so that's... knowing knowing that now because I think when I was playing along with a lot of the stuff from like Clayman and stuff when I was younger, yeah. I think I had I just tuned it to drop, I think A sharp or A, one of the two. Yeah. Um that's really cool, man. I love I just I love nerding over the gear and then I saw in the last video um and I never know with music videos even though I always talk about the gear that I see um do you use EB when you play live for cabinets and heads and stuff EBS or EBS sorry yeah yes yes I do um uh, I actually I posted a picture today of my two new heads that I got that I I was going to try them I thought I had um a cabinet in uh, well uh, at the brewery where I keep some of my equipment. So I went there and I clicked and I was going to click that. Fuck, I didn't have a cabinet. So it's like kind of, okay, I'll take it to the studios then plug it in there. Uh, but yeah, uh, I use CBS. Um, same thing there, you know, great people became good friends uh, over the years and uh, really believed in me, in uh, my music, in my tone. And, and I think it was very, when I left in flames, I reached out to my endorsers before. And I told them that this is going to happen. Um, and I'd like to thank you for all these years. You know, I'm not sure when I'll, I knew that I was going to do Syrah. So we did that. But I'm not sure on which level we're going to do everything. So I completely understand if you want to, you know, uh, stop working with me and no hard feelings. And both Ibanez and EBS came back. Like, this is not the end. This is just the next next chapter. You know, we support nice. you, you know. And I think that was so, so classy, you know. Um, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm as long as they'll have me, I'll, I'll keep playing their instruments and, yeah. uh, you know, using the cabs of EBS and trying out whatever they have, you know, because it's they've always been really, really good. And I really like the stability and the amps and the, the tone and the pressure and everything that they've they've achieved. I, I used to play Ampeg and I still love Ampeg as well, but uh, I started using EBS for everything. Yeah, I played Ampeg. Um, all Ampeg everything when I was in a band and when I was younger too, but EBS seems like one of those like really well-kept secrets of a company because in the US, not really that popular. I think the only couple times I've seen EBS and um, bands that I've been watching 
were with you and then um i know the bass player for dirty loops another swedish band like he uses yeah Henrik, as well. yeah Oh, dude, the, the yeah. first time I discovered them, I was just like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the Justin uh, Bieber cover, um, baby. I, you got to see that. I don't know if I've heard oh, that one. Dude, you got to see it. That's the first. That's how they became, you know, big first, the first hit. Really? I think, it, I think it's called Baby, right? Baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and he does a bass solo in it that is so amazing. And they've done so much other stuff. I don't but know yeah, I... he's a big EBS endorser. You got, I mean, I even I know I, I hooked up with John from Lamb of God for EBS uh, for some time. I don't know if he still plays him, uh, yeah. or maybe if it was just for the pedals. But I've hooked up quite a lot of players, but I'm not sure who plays it now uh, yeah. because of the same reason they weren't big in America. But I know that they were a solid product. Yeah, and it's it, it's interesting because when I was reading the first time I saw EBS. I always, I always nerd out when I find a company that I don't know a lot about. Um, and I started reading and it was like, yeah, like two years ago, one of their bass heads was like bass amp of the year and bass player magazine and stuff. And I was like, that's yeah. so wild. So, because... That was the Fafner too, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it no? was the, was it the Raidmar. No, it was the, um, it, it didn't have a, 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 like an actual name to it. It was like letters and numbers. I think it was like the EBS. Is it an 800 or something like that? Or yeah. The 802, maybe. The 802 is what I got today. Okay, that uh, might have been but, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're so good. I got it right here. You can't see. Well, I can turn. I got the. Beside my my precious little ship here. <laughs> yes. Uh, I got the Fafna 2 and the, the Raidmar. Oh, nice. And uh, then some other stuff there, as you can see. Yeah. And I got a fridge. Oh, nice. The Marshall fridge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a nerd. I have, I have so much. <laughs> That's great. I was telling you before we started, it's funny. Like, um, you know, I, I've been just looking around at the collection here and there, all the star Wars stuff. And, uh, as I told you earlier, you know, Richard from orbit culture is the same way. He has a, like his, his office room in his house is like, all Star Wars memorabilia and ever that's pretty much all his Instagram is is every time he gets something new he's just like yeah. <laughs> posting all of it. I was, and... Like I was telling you before, I was like I, I have my moments when I go into shopping when I when I feel I have I I want all the original Kenner dolls you know the original yeah. original uh, and I don't have them all I think I'm missing like twelve figurines or something like that or ten and. I go in and I buy something. Then most people don't want to sell me just one thing. They want to sell me their whole collection or, you yeah. know, you got to buy these. So, so I got a big box there of, of, you know, extra figurines that I'm going to sell off at some point. And, um, there was one guy who offered me, you got all I have. I have the miss, missing, missing uh, figurines for you. It's like, do you want them? And it was like ridiculous amount of money. It's like, no, because then the hunt will be over, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to do this slowly. So right yeah. now I'm not, not in a buying mode, but, you know, if somebody has this, you know, have them re reach out. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i on forums and nerd away, but yeah. I kind of have to stop because I, I bought too much stuff. But that's yeah. I, I went in these phases when we'd go on tour where I would also um, buy, like, collectibles or just things that I liked just for fun. And it's like you can see if I turn up here, I have – a bunch of like the pop figurines yeah. and I went through a phase when we were on tour where I would just every day off, I would go out and look for those, but I wasn't looking for like anything. I was, I only grabbed the ones of stuff that like I actually like. So I have a lot of um, video game and comic related ones and a lot of sports related ones. 
And then I fell out of that phase. And ever since I started YouTube, it's been vinyls. Like every time I pre-order an album from a band now, I always get the vinyl too. So I, yeah. people, on, people on YouTube joke that pretty soon I'm not going to have room. The thing is I have a stack of like two dozen vinyls right here that I haven't, yeah. I haven't worked up the motivation to, you know, put them on the wall yet. And it'll be fun. Like I start interchanging them out and stuff like that. And it's, it's pretty cool. But, um, you know, it, it, it's so interesting to me that vinyls have started becoming a thing again because yeah, like, I mean, it's awesome. It's like, you can't download a vinyl, you know, yeah. it's a piece of art. Yeah. You know, I love it too. I, although I gotta admit, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, record buyer at all. You know, like I yeah. said, I, I listen to a lot of old music. But uh, both uh, Michael and uh, Niklas, they're huge trigger collectors, and it's it's yeah. insane. Yeah. It's insane how much they have. Yeah. To be to be one hundred percent honest, most most of it is for just visuals. Like I, I yeah. admit, I don't listen to vinyl. Like most of the time when I'm doing work at my computer, I just pull up you know what I've already bought or Spotify, and when I'm on tour, I listen to Spotify when I'm working on guitars and stuff. But um, you know, I, I remember trying to tell my dad that vinyls were becoming a thing and again he goes no fucking way and i was like yeah like he's like i thought everything's digital now i'm like it is but yeah. everybody's into vinyls again and he's like you think that's gonna happen with cds i was like no <laughs> no, no. there's something about the <laughs> there's something about the vinyls that are just like yeah. people dig and then the the funniest part is when the vinyls are incorrect like so for example um the orbit culture vinyl that i have on the on the wall was actually printed wrong so it doesn't even have their album on it. It's just like noise. <laughs> then, that, then that becomes collectible. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've, I've heard people talk, oh, yeah, I got the third pressing of the 1976 version. But it's supposed to be 1975. You know, it's like, well, it's, I love nerdiness too. But, you yeah. know, that's I'm not interested in that. I'm more of a Star Wars geek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I exploded when I got these. Star Wars beers right there. Oh no way! <laughs> that's cool. I have. I don't have them all because, but that's what what was available in Sweden. And as you can see behind that, there's a big tray of Star Wars stuff in there. Yeah, so, big box. Yeah, but Every, yeah. The, I like. I I love stuff like that, man. I mean, for me, um, I was when I was younger, I was really big into comic books. I was a big Marvel guy, so I have a lot of comics and stuff like that. Nowadays, I'm really into video games, but my go-to is like very sci-fi type out there stuff i mean it's probably one of the reasons i always loved star wars and stuff too so much too is because i just love that kind of sci-fi stuff yeah um, me too amazing yeah. that's awesome um is there is there anything else that you really collect other than the star wars stuff or not really just gear no just gear yeah um i have a uh... I wouldn't say I'm a hoarder, but it would look like it if you look down here. There's bugs and stuff, but that's just only because I've moved from a bigger place to a small place. But no, I I, um, I don't like throwing stuff away. I really don't. I have a hard time doing that. But uh, no, I don't really. I don't really collect anything. It's just the Star Wars stuff is kind of something that I need, <laughs> you yeah. know. In a yeah. But like I said, I, I want. I don't want it to be over because right now I'm out of. Uh, I'm not buying anything right now. So, but once I will, I'll start looking again. And it, and I love that you know when you find the stuff you need and you you got to see if it's the original you know because there's a lot of scam artists there as well you know if you if you get a blue saber it's fake you know but it's and stuff like that you know. It's uh, but no, uh, not something else that I collect. Maybe bass guitars. I got a couple. 
Yeah, yeah, he here. See that? Oh, this is nothing. I have, I have way more. Because yeah. I that that's something that I buy, and you know, it's I have I have lots of lots of bass guitars, and I love it. And in my previous studio, I could have it all on the wall, but it was so big. Yeah. Now it's now it's laying in the attic in closed uh, cases with a like I have something like um, a temperature watch so it always stays the same temperature yeah. so that's really really important when it comes to instruments but yeah, yeah so i go up there sometimes and i open the cases and i look at them it's like oh there you are you know <laughs> that's, that's awesome that's nerdy <laughs> that's like dude when i watch uh herman lee on his twitch streams dude the, the room that in wherever he streams from it looks like a guitar center his whole yeah. he has like 40 guitars on his wall yeah. and i remember someday some some somebody in chat one day was like man, you have a lot of guitars. And he's like, oh, that's not even all of them. I'm just like, yeah. damn, dude. Like, well, that's how it is. I'm the same. It's yep, like, yep. I haven't counted it, but yeah, I have I have more than 40 bass guitars. And I, I love every single one of them. Yeah. It did the, the temperature control that you just uh, mentioned made me think of something awful on tour once. Um, a band in Nashville thought it would be a good idea to get like a temperature controlled semi-truck. And... Um, you know, somebody convinced them that for their guitars and stuff, it would be better. The problem with that is, though, when you're touring like in the summer in the United States and it's upwards of, you know, 35 degrees Celsius and yeah. your truck is constantly at 17. Um, there was a guitar tech that opened a guitar vault one day and that drastic temperature change from their climate controlled truck to the room that they were in cracked all of the acoustics they had in one entire guitar vault oh <laughs> and i was just like so i had an artist that i worked for for the past five years that asked like hey do you think we should get a climate controlled truck and i was like no do no, not do that no, like no, no. if you're if you're storing instruments that's one thing but if you're transporting them around the country you want those to stay the same temperature that it is everywhere else you know yeah yeah so sure but uh well, man, um, before before we start wrapping up here, because um, I know you've got more media and stuff like that, I, I just want to ask, I, I like to ask all the artists this, with your new album coming out on August 12th, um, especially with how music is nowadays and stuff like that, what would you recommend are some of the best ways that fans can support your band or their favorite bands, whether it's financial or not? Interesting. Uh, I haven't thought about it. I mean... As weird as it might sound, uh, I'm not in this to make money. Uh, I'm in this to have fun. So for the best way to support the Halo Effect is, you know, listen to our music wherever you can find it. If you if you download it or if you buy it or if you stream it, whatever makes you happy, I'll be happy. Because that's what it's all about, you know, mm -hmm. for me and for us. It's just getting the music out there. And obviously... Obviously, everybody needs money to to uh, to go around, but this is this is straight out of it sounds maybe stupid, but it, it's straight out of love. And uh, so I don't, you know, whatever you want to do to support, yeah. uh, I, it'll make me happy. Yeah. No, I don't think that sounds stupid at all, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody likes to make money, but yeah. at the end of the day, if you're not doing something that you love doing, why do it? You know? No, but exactly. I mean, it's, it's, um, I think everybody should try and support what in whatever way they can, you know. Mm -hmm. If you can go to a show, if you can buy a t-shirt, if you can download a CD or, or you know, a CD. I said a CD, but yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, download yeah, the yeah. music. That's how old I am. Um, yeah. 
I think there are no. I mean, obviously, don't steal music. I think it, that's don't do that, please. Mm. But uh, other than that, just do it whatever possible way you can to you know that you can afford because. I could never ask people for for money that way. I would never ask yeah. somebody to do that. So do it in whatever way works for you. Yeah, as long that's, as you enjoy the music. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's you know the one thing about the YouTube reaction thing is, you know, even before I started doing it, I didn't I didn't start YouTube and decide I wanted to do reactions. Like I just it became a thing. But I find the concept of it very interesting. And I don't say that because I'm doing it. I've been watching reactions before I started doing it on YouTube. It It's it's almost like listening to music with one of your friends just hanging out yeah. again. And, you know, we, we see this argument all the time on YouTube because there are a lot of people that think um, YouTube reactors are just absolute trash people and trash content because... Is it? Yeah. I mean, they don't, well, they don't understand that, um, like how a lot of the YouTube stuff works. A lot of people assume that these reactors are uploading videos and making all that ad revenue off of the views based off somebody else's video. But unless a record label or a band or a publisher is clearing that copyright to allow that person to monetize, like reactors aren't really making money. And for, no. and for me, again, going back to the music discovery thing, even watching other reactors on YouTube has made me like buy merchandise and buy yeah. buy music and stuff. So, you know, trying to be as objective as possible, not as somebody that also has a YouTube page for this, but it's it's very interesting to see how bands have gotten different kinds of exposure over the last couple of years during the pandemic with everybody watching yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I think there are bands that you would talk to that would would straight up tell you a lot of their exposure was from um, people sharing and reactors, absolutely reactors yeah, yeah. reacting and stuff. Um, you know, a, a great example of that is um, Electric Callboy from Germany. Yeah. Dude, they have been around for ten years, and they've always done pretty well in the German market. But they had a music video go viral two years ago, and now everybody's sharing their stuff everybody's reacting to their videos they're they're touring they just announced a tour in europe next year and half of the dates are arenas and this is a band that their whole career were playing like you know 500 to a thousand cap clubs and when i've talked to them they're like yeah it's, it's because over the pandemic so many people shared our music and our videos yeah. you know ah uh, that's super cool Right. I mean, it's it's always going to be like new ways to share music and to react, and there's always going to be like haters, like you said, that people yeah, think yeah. that that some certain people are trash. But it's it's always going to be like that. That's yeah. why you always have to do what you want to do yourself, you know. And it, yeah. that it doesn't really matter if somebody else doesn't like it, whether it's playing music or reacting to music or just sharing. And just, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer of doing what makes you feel happy. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, and I mean it. it, it it's interesting to see, especially like the label that you guys are with, you know, Nuclear Blast, they as well as a handful of others have uh, have really started to utilize YouTube like a new form of marketing. Like, yeah, yeah. it's it's really impressive to see how some of these labels have gotten ahead of the curb and or curve and actually like stay in touch with a lot of these YouTubers because even before stuff is coming out, like I'll, I'll get an email from somebody at nuclear blast is like, Hey, here's, here's a handful of our videos release dates that are coming out just in case you wanted to check this out. 
Oh, that's and, cool, man. Yeah, and I mean, Century Media is another one that does that, and it's like they've yeah. they've told me it's like, you know, with with times constantly changing, especially in the music industry and the new forms of everything that's coming out, it's like this is like our our basically YouTube reactions are like our new form of marketing outlet that we don't need to really put a lot of time into. <laughs> no, so, no, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's. Um, I love this. Um, coming back into the music industry after a couple of years, seeing how it's changed and developed in, and like, like you just said, like certain, certain areas where it becomes a totally new way of a way of discovering music or sharing music. I think that's, you know, it feels like I was away for 25 years instead of, you know, five. Interesting. So I'm, I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really uh, intrigued to see what's, what's going to come next. Yeah. I never, I never thought about that. That's that's yeah. interesting. No, like the the little bit of time that you did spend away, I gotta imagine there probably has been a lot of big changes. Well, yeah, and I never thought about it either. It's just I discovered, you know, a lot of stuff that's new, and I, and I really I enjoy it. Yeah, that's I'm learning. When an old guy learning new stuff, it's like, <laughs> <yeah>. you know. <laughs> Um, so before, before we go, I just want to remind anybody that's listening that, um, the debut Halo Effect record, Days of the Lost, uh, is coming out August 12th from Nuclear Blast Records. Um, if anybody's watching this on YouTube, I'll have links below where you can check all the social medias and the pre-orders and all that stuff. You guys are going to be on tour with Machine Head and Marth. That's going to be a blast. Yeah. Um, it's going to be great. I, I hope that uh our times allow you guys to get to the u.s at some point um i do have we'll, plans. we'll get there Absolutely. yeah i do have plans to go to europe eventually for some shows and maybe worst case i'll check you out over there but i would absolutely love to see a show when you guys come over here yeah i mean that's the plan i, I can't say when and i can't yeah. say where but obviously we want to tour uh, tour the u.s as well yeah well, that'll be great. Well, Peter, thank you uh, very, very, very much for your time. I want to give you a little break thank before you. you have to keep doing new, more media. <laughs> uh, that's all good, man. It's uh, I got a long break now, so that's good. I'll yeah. go out and see what the kids are doing. Yeah, for sure, man. Sun is still shining here in Gothenburg. You, you can't believe it. it never does. Yeah. So this is it's, great. It's what time is it there? It's almost nine, right? No, no, it's uh, twenty to seven. Oh, that's yeah. right. We started at five o'clock your time. I thought yeah. we started at seven. That okay? That makes sense. So, well, hey, enjoy enjoy this nice little break. Enjoy the sunshine. Thank you very much for your time. Can't wait for the new record. And uh, maybe one of these days we'll have you back after the record comes out and after you tour. And oh, I'd see love what's to. New. Thank you so much. This yeah. was uh, really nice. Really awesome, nice. man. Well, chat. Well, yeah. Well, once again, thank you very much, and have a wonderful rest of your day. You as well. Cheers, man. Cheers. These podcast episodes, when we initially film them, are always so interesting to me because there's so much information that we've talked about in that time frame that I sometimes forget everything that we talked about in the moment. And sometimes I get very super critical of myself and I think that the conversation wasn't as good as I thought it was or anything like that. But I got to say, when I went back and edited this episode, what you guys just heard, I was so happy with this, man. I mean, it was... If I can just be honest and like a little kid for a second, it was just so cool to sit down with him, man. I mean, like I said in the intro, this guy was one of like my heroes as a bass player when I was growing up and now as an adult, I'm in the position where I got to have him on and talk about not only his new band and his gear and stuff, but his businesses. And 
it was just super awesome, man. And I know that these bands always have so much going on, especially with media, with new albums coming out. So I really just want to take a second to one more time say thank you very much to Peter for giving us the time to talk and film this episode. And I hope that all of you guys that are listening enjoyed it, man. You know, just as a reminder, that Halo Effect album does come out on August 12th, 2022. It's called Days of the Lost. It's being released by Nuclear Blast Records. Pre-orders are already available. So if you would like to support the band ahead of time before it comes out, you can check the links in the description of this video if you're watching on YouTube. But if you are listening on audio somewhere else, you can check out the haloeffect.band to see all of their social media links, the new videos they have out, and pre-order that record. Because I've said this a million times, but pre-orders are way more important for bands than just financially, man. These pre-orders show booking agents where bands should tour because of how many people have bought it from certain areas. And it also helps with chart entries and stuff like that. So just know that you're doing a lot more than just giving your money to these bands when you pre-order an album like this. And I'm excited for it. I think it's going to end up being one of my favorites of the entire year, but we'll find out in another couple months, man. And if you're ever in the Gothenburg, Sweden area, be sure to go check out Peter's Brewery, Odd Island Brewing, or his restaurant, 2112. I know if I ever get to that area, I'm going to be going over there as well because it'd be super cool to check that out. So once again, thank you to Peter and thank you to everybody that's watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Google, Apple, or anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. This has been wild, man. 10 episodes now, and I already have a few more ready to go. And we still have a full schedule of people that are going to come on. And you know, it's, it's cool, man. That's all I can really say. This is super cool. Be on the lookout for the next episode. Cause this is going to be the first time that I'm actually going to have another YouTuber on the actual podcast with me. Well, kind of. Because, you know, Grant Truesdell and Vicky Siracus and all them, they do Twitch and content and stuff too. But I'm going to be having Elizabeth from The Charismatic Voice on for episode 11 of the Back Lounge podcast. And it's really cool because while we know each other from doing YouTube content and stuff like that, that was the longest we've actually gotten to sit down and speak to each other and really talk about a lot. And, you know, she did recently have her first child and we actually recorded this podcast before that happened. So we talked about a lot of that coming up and parenting and her traveling all over the world and how she grew up with music. And it's super cool, man. I'm super excited to bring that to you as well. So yeah, keep on the lookout for that. Keep on the lookout for a lot more coming up. And if anybody wants to follow me on any other social medias, I'm pretty active on Instagram and stuff like that. You can check me out at the handle at tank, the tech. Just as a reminder for anybody listening on audio, if you would like to see the video format of this where you can actually see myself and our guests, you can check me out at youtube.com slash tank the tech. But I understand a lot of people love to listen to these in their car and at the gym and I'm the same way. So you can also find this on Spotify, Google, Apple, and a ton of other outlets, probably some that I'm actually not even aware of, to be honest, but this was episode 10. I had a blast. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, be safe, be kind to each other, and I'll see you guys very soon for another episode.